This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. So, a very good day. Welcome, one and all. The year proving how quickly it's going as we announce 31st of October 2022 as our date for the podcast. Okay, so uh, we're going across to Yorkshire. Um, I think it might be Sowerby Bridge. Last time I said that, we were down in Devon, but it doesn't really matter. If it is Sowerby Bridge, as I say hello to Mike Payne, then we can't be that far, really, in geography, away from William Hague's old seat, where Rishi Sunak, I believe, was uh, the MP. But Michael put me in the picture because Mike is a Conservative uh, local councillor and uh, full of the gen that we need to try and understand what on earth is going on as Britain indulges itself. And I think this Prime Minister is now actually into his uh, second or third week which is not bad going for a Prime Minister these days. So good morning, Mike. Um, A long-winded intro, uh, but it is true that um, very, very strange times, and we did predict that we would have a new Prime Minister, didn't we? We did, Vince, yes. Last time we spoke, I think we were in the midst of uh, Liz Truss, and we said that that would be a matter of days, lasting, uh, you know, maybe a week or so, and then we'd end up with... um, Sunak. So that's exactly what happened. Okay. So um, without really castigating her too much, because quite frankly, I think when you read the papers, you see so much of that that really the negative stuff I think we can leave behind. I mean, it's bad enough with my football team, Liverpool, having a pretty poor run in the Premier League. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, when we go to. Don't forget Tramir. They lost as well. Well. I know, it's uh, devastating times for one and all. <laughs> right, as we go to Rishi Sunak then, of course, um, when you start looking at who he is, uh, where he's come from, it gives you a little bit more confidence in him when you read the detail. And you give you, it gives me a lot less confidence in the people that decided to go ahead with Liz Truss. And as I say, you, you know, without being too hard on her, uh, because really she's only had four days to prove how bad she can be. So let's go to uh, the new guy then. And um, was he associated with William Hague at all, do we know? Well, you'd have to ask why somebody from Southampton... Uh, lived in Southampton, uh, ends up in in a seat in North in North Yorkshire in Richmond. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, the the fact that he was quite a big donor, I think, probably had something to do with it. But that's stating the obvious, isn't it? Well, we're going to cover lots of things as we talk this morning because. Um, you, you know, uh, we come from uh, Wirral, which ostensibly was uh, a mixed uh, constituency, from what I remember. Birkenhead, I think, was more Labour. Bebbington and Wallasey probably uh, heading a little bit more towards the Conservatives, yeah. certainly Bebbington. Um, but yeah. um, this business of putting people up for election. Now, that becomes a little bit more interesting at the moment as we see yeah. that Ezzy, Eddie his Izzard for the Labour uh, Party is going to take the transgender fire to a new level um, uh, because basically, you know, if you're going to just uh, try and get into Parliament on any ticket whatsoever, um, and of course the particular wicket that you've chosen is rather a rickety one at the moment, um, I mean... This business of being able to buy yourself into a, a constituency, um, I mean, I remember we used to have things like rotten boroughs we were talking about in, yeah. in history. Eye. Yeah, um, but how rotten is that, really? Because it, it seems to be paramount wherever a, a party wants to win a seat. They just look for somebody with a bit of money or maybe uh, with Sebco, you know, a career in, in athletics or something. Um, how does that appeal to you? 
Well, I think it's I think it stinks. I think I think it's all a bit of a stitch up, really. Um, you know, I, as you know, I tend to be a bit cynical anyway, and we probably get more cynical the older we get. But um, you know, I, I thought I was going to stand for Halifax as an MP, uh, and the local constituency selected me. Um, but then CCHQ, uh, the headquarters of the Conservative party uh imposed another candidate that they brought in from oldham so you know i think democracy is a is a key issue and certainly is within the conservative party yeah i i mean i grew up with this sort of was it a sublime feeling i don't know uh, you know you you're a little bit cloudy in your thinking when it comes to one man one vote because and no matter yeah. where we are you, you know in life even now as older people uh, one man with my sort of money and one man with a, a young version with the money that uh, richie sunak has is uh, able to do a lot more and i think that's the big key issue for me is is that you know it's what you can do with your money and whether or not a you had it to start with and b how did you get it on route you know without wanting to be selfish or you know envious of of people um then you know the 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 young man has done very well for himself um but then he did come from a pretty wealthy family but the the sad fact really is that it it became immediately some sort of racist debate Okay, we had the fun. Uh, there was a picture of 10 Downing Street. I don't know if you saw it with uh, loads and loads of uh, fruit and veg outside saying that he'd only been in there five hours. And, but you see, yeah. you know, in the woke society we live in, we can't even really have a little joke without sort of somebody taking yeah. huge objection. Uh, really, I, I mean, I've never had an axe to grind with any Indian people. Um, I find them yeah. very attractive people. You know, I used to love um, Peter Sellers and his accents. Uh, yeah. So, you know, yeah, absolutely. that was the way yeah. I sort of got into it. You know, the doctor would come out and say, would, would you take a seat, Mr. Tracy? And, you know, you, you'd obviously go to many, many uh, series on TV. And they are lovely the way they speak English, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And to people like me and you, Vince, you know, he, he's a human being. It doesn't matter what colour he is or what gender. But, uh, you know, you raised a key issue before about the Sheffield constituency with uh, Eddie Izzard, um, which is the thing about the all-female shortlists as well. Yes. And, and I think, you know, that's contentious, isn't it? What, you know, equality. we all believe in equality, but do, do, do women really want or need a, a leg up? to um you know the the, the better in the, in the majority of cases that the, the better than the ma- male counterparts anyway so well, i think i think we're on dangerous ground when we, when we say you know we we want an all white and all black and all female and all male or or, or whatever it, it, it's all it's not um, equality, is it? No, it's social engineering and and of course y- y- you know um you can now and again see a valid reason for it yes uh, maybe certain people had been underrepresented Um, so we go back to our idea of democracy and it's not really as democratic as we think when you know somebody can buy the chance to be elected where you and I and maybe other people might never have had that chance but but I mean that really shouldn't then start bringing out um, racism very quickly because, I mean, the the Sunaks actually came to Britain in the 60s, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I must say, Vince, I I didn't see any any signs of racism at all. I I think, again, it's something that the media have jumped on. Um, I I can't see any any evidence that there was any, any hint of anything to do with racism. I do think, though, that you know, coming back to the um, democracy within the Conservative Party, this thing, there is this issue about the membership selecting the leader, brackets the Prime Minister, um, and whether it should be MPs or the or, or, or the members. And and to be honest, I, I have no problem with MPs selecting a Prime Minister because that person's going to be the person who who leads them in the House of Commons. So. But my feeling should be that the members should elect the chairman. I actually agree with you. I I do agree with you. And I'll tell you why I agree with you. 
Uh, I think you can see quite clearly that if we look at what the Labour Party have been doing, they've been trying to breed, bring, bring down the age of voting. Now, uh, this actually correlates then to what's going on in the colleges, because if yeah. you've got the uh, tutors, and I've met many of these, who basically yeah. want to brainwash the children, uh, okay, maybe we say children, maybe, maybe we'll give them young adults as the status, um, you, you know, uh, you go into very, very devious sort of areas where you've got young people who, of course, quite rightly, are now beginning to think of their future and they're beginning to wonder how can they uh, maybe affect the political views. Now, they then go in mob-handed at the election and they can put in somebody because basically, um, you, you know, either they look nice or they particularly are fans of Coldplay or, or whatever, you know, the, the idea yeah. might be. But the serious point is that really, if you've elected people into a uh, major part of a, a party, be it the um, Conservatives, Labour or any other party, then they should be beginning to form a management of politics, which is what they should be involved in. And that's where really I think I would say that I, I completely agree that the uh, leadership thing should come from within the party and not from some sort of um, Cliff Richard poll, whether he should play his records at Christmas, you know, that sort of thing, you know, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's the way it goes, isn't Absolutely. it, really? Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, I mean, I'm going to broaden this to a, an, an immense way, really, is, is because really, if we're going to look at that as an issue and then look at the Just Stop Oil and the other people who are basically um, creating mayhem. What I would like to know is, do you have any thoughts on why the police aren't doing their job? Because basically, if you or I started splashing paint on a wonderful painting or going sit uh, in front of the traffic on Tower Bridge or any other bridge, you and I would be in clink fairly quickly. So what's going on in your opinion? Well, I think it's crazy, and, and, and I think part of it maybe stems from the individual values of of chief constables, and, and we've seen a distinct change, haven't we, with uh, the Met and the appointment of a new um, commissioner there. Um, I, I just can't believe some of the commentary that, that we see from the police where, you know, that one where they were saying, um, you know, we're here to make sure you're comfortable and um, that no, nobody's feeling distressed and, you know, we're here to, to help you in a nice way. <clears throat> Whereas basically the motorists just want to drag them off the streets, don't they? Uh, that, that, that's the public opinion that, that they're really causing massive disruption to, um, to innocent people in the street. Um, I, I can only think, Vince, that, that, it, that it's to do with with the values of certain chief constables, <clears throat> pardon me. And you've only got to look at some of the, you know, the appearance of, of some of the chief constables that we've got now um, compared to what they would have been. I, I, I'm not being centering on um, nostalgia, but, but, you know, and about policemen looking younger and all that sort of thing. But, but we've seen a distinct change in, in, in attitudes towards the policing of protesters. Well, I think uh, when we look at, for example, Cressida Dick, I can say it probably because, you know, I, yeah. I, I, I'm an observer as opposed to if maybe you had a political point of view. Um, well, we'll see what you say when I tell you that when I looked at Chris, Cressida Dick with the, without any sort of uh, meaning to be against her, I didn't feel full of any confidence that she would be able to go out and move somebody who was creating a little bit of a problem. You know, that, that was my first thought. It wasn't that I disliked her particularly as a person. I just thought that she would be very ineffective. Although, I have to say, again, having taught uh, judo at nightclubs and, uh, the, yeah. you know, the, um, sorry, the, I meant the night school rather than nightclub. Night, um, nightclubs as well. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> you, you see, the thing is, you, you've actually had girls that um you know have are very very good so maybe maybe she was quite a, a lot more physical than i'd have thought you know but mm. she didn't inspire confidence to me no and and it's in the news this morning vince isn't it about um uh police 
entrance not having to have university degrees yes because the thing I, I don't know maybe that's a connection in in the change in in what we've seen that there was a big push wasn't there to uh to make sure that that everybody becoming a, an entrant into the police were was a university graduate yeah we're, uh, well look actually we want people who are, who are tough and and they've got a lot of common sense yeah you, you know I, I can remember when i was 11 um, I was uh, on a field behind St. Joseph's Primary School in Birkenhead and uh, I, for some reason I was having a scrap with a lad called Kevin Murphy. I mean, th- those are your memories. <laughs> and I remember yeah. quite clearly a Bobby on a bike was passing by. He came up, cl- walked over the field and gave us both a thick ear, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I've never had a problem with uh, Kevin Murphy since, although we, yeah. we haven't seen each other for so so many years. But, <laughs> you know, um, we just needed somebody to referee a dispute or a disagreement we were having. And, you know, I think it's so sad, really, that um, because if you look at what's happening now, you don't see Bobby's on the beat, which we've heard that incessantly. It's become almost a mantra for poor policing. Get back on the yeah. beat. You know, I mean... Look at that, and then I I look at the the eccentricities and the little nuances in the media. Like, for example, there's a Haribo sweets advert, and they've got these two idiot policemen in the car. You see, when we want to make the police look stupid, it's easy to do it. You know, where those type of things sow little seeds with even little children. The police are idiots, yeah, yeah. you know, because all they want is to have a, a, a sweet sweetie in their car, you know, and all this sort of rubbish. But that's the problem, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, th- we, we grew up uh, in the era of Z cars, didn't we? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was uh, the, the times were so different. I think yeah. the other thing that I wanted to come to was this just stop oil. Have you looked at the funding that they have? Have you ever seen it? I couldn't quote any figures offhand, uh, Vince. Um, and there's, there's always this issue about the 20,000 recruits replacing the 20,000 that were lost. Um, but I, I would just assume, something you need to check on, but I would assume that, that, that it's a huge budget. Well, what it is, is there's a website, and it's I think it's called climatechange.org or something like that. Um, I mean, you can put this into the uh, Google and whatever, and you'll you'll find all this. And what they do is they apply for a grant. And apparently one of the biggest um, sources of money that goes into the fund comes from a billionaire-ess um, who was something to do with petrol and oil. And so wow. it gets more and more bizarre that these people, they then apply for a grant, and when they apply for the grant, you've got to put in what your project is. So, you know, somebody along the line would have put in, I'm going to go down to, uh, you know, the British Museum, and we're going to throw paint all over the statues, and somebody then will approve it. Now, to my way of thinking, I think that's dead easy for the police to have stopped. Yeah. And then... If I see what I've seen with my own eyes, which is um, these, um, I'm, I'm not going to say the great unwashed because, you know, maybe they're not. All I do know is that they're doing things that you and I and other people would not be allowed to get. It wouldn't be tolerated. So why are the police tolerating it? That's got to come from some political source somewhere, whether it's within their own organisation or whether it's within um, maybe something that uh, we're just not privy to. But something is being told somewhere that they can continue on with their protest. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there are a lot of contradictions, aren't there? Um, remember, you know, going back uh, a few years w- when there were the the hunting, the demonstrations against hunt- against hunting, and th- and there were lots of people that were wearing leather jackets and things. And and I, I saw last week that there was um, a demonstration to do with uh, racism and uh, equal equality, equ- equality, and and uh, they were all white people in the uh, demonstrators so you know it makes you think somewhere is there a renter mob that that can be uh uh you know uh taken from place to place but 
you know, Vince, without being, I, I hate to talk, you know, people often mention about class and working class and that sort of thing. But a lot of these demonstrations do appear to be people who um, who may be a middle class and have got nothing else to do. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you know what? I, 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 I do think that there's uh, mileage in that because, quite frankly, uh, you, you, you really are, shall we say, it's very, very difficult to know what is exactly a middle class person, what exactly is a working class oh, person. It's all that's now confused, yeah. you know. So, uh, I mean, when they go to their uh, classes and maybe their tutors are talking about such issues, I think that you can't really generalise the way things are because when people talk yeah. about poverty, for example, I, I do laugh that, that um, well, to myself, I'm not talking about other people, but, you know, when, yeah. you've got, when you've got people thinking that the latest iPad and the latest sort of technology is um, really, you, you know, if you haven't got that, you're impoverished. You know, the yeah. people that are impoverished are the people that haven't got a home to live in. Let me just tell you a couple of things that, that, that I wanted to pick up from today's papers, um, because... We've got the issue of um, these illegal immigrants coming into uh, the UK. And I see the figure in the paper yeah. this morning is 40,000 people this year. Yeah. That's an invasion. It's, it's, it's not, um, you know, people who have got legitimacy for my money because it's come from France. Yeah, absolutely. Economic migrants. So, again, uh, I mean, it's only because I've got you in front of me and I can ask you the question. Um you know, we, we we keep getting this mantra from conservatives about, you know, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're going to stop the uh, illegal uh, migration and send everybody back to Rwanda. So then that becomes another race issue rather than yeah, yeah. a control of what's going on. So, of course, this morning now we've got somebody who's thrown a petrol bomb. I think it was in Dover, wasn't it, at the, uh, yeah, yeah. the, the centre there? Um, I mean, when you talk with other conservatives, grassroots, should we say, people that are at the meetings and that sort of thing, do they talk just like me? Or is there something that is addressed in a different way that I haven't got privy, privy information about? They talk exactly the same as you do, Vince, and the same as I do, that, that, that you know, we've got to find a way to limit illegal immigration. And let's not get that mixed up with with you know legal people who go through um filling in forms and the whole process to come here legally as our family uh, did um and the irish connection that we both have yeah um yeah my contacts they're all the same they can't understand can't understand why we're an island we're su surrounded by water but we seem to have this massive problem with illegal immigration. And, and not only do we not prevent it, we seem to be helping it, you know, with the RNLI, um, the Border Force, the Royal Navy, they all seem to be helping it rather than deterring it. When the fundamental question is, why are people trying to escape from France to get here? You know, is, is it the food? Is, is, is it that they can't speak French? You know, well, well, I would say it's probably a question, really, of the fact that if they can get to Britain, they get social security. They get paid uh, to be keep kept in a hotel in some cases, in many cases, actually. Yeah. In fact, I picked up on the press uh, this morning that um, near to you, actually, there's a Yorkshire hotel which is not now going to be able to um, to continue housing immigrate immigration um, which, of course, has been quite a, a good little learner for them over the previous sort of um, months. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, as it's Yorkshire, you know, that you, you do ask yourself, why is it that people are bringing, say, um, people from uh, allegedly coming in um, uh, as legal migrants and then ferrying them up to Yorkshire uh, where yeah. they'll be put up into a hotel when... As we've, I think we did talk about before, when you've got people who fought for the country, don't necessarily get a good pension and might be on the streets. That that's yeah. that's not nice, is it? No, it's not nice at all. And and bearing in mind, 
I read some statistics that the majority of uh, illegal immigrants at the moment are coming from Albania, and yeah. the, you know, the, there's no war in Albania, so, so that th they can't be refugees, can they? Well, uh, you, 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 you know, uh, you, you say to yourself, how is it that maybe people from Albania, who ostensibly you wouldn't expect to be speaking English and being understood, yeah. can be the ones that are interviewed and obviously have still got uh, the, you know, um, technology, the nice tracksuits, etc. I mean, you know, it makes it makes people become going towards racist. If you're not racist, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, you can be you can be asking questions even now on a podcast that might yeah. sound to some people racist, and and yet I would hate anybody to think I'm racist. I, I I just think that the problem is I have to show my passport when I go into yeah. um, various parts of Spain, um, you know, and yet it would appear that the same is not ha not happening in in the UK. I don't understand it. Yeah, yeah. I think the real reason for, for me is, I, I thought it was for increased benefits that people were coming here. But when you look at the benefit system in France, it, it's as generous, if not more generous. But the difference is that you have to register on it, on the system. And you have, you know, in France, you have to have an identity card. There are tons of people here that can live, they can get benefits without going on the radar. Um and, and you know, be be part of the system as as it were, which I think is is the problem. We we don't we we haven't got proper systems of even recording who lives here, who comes in, and who leaves. Which of course immediately begs the question: Why are people against identity cards? I came to Spain yeah, yeah, yeah. immediately, you know, I'm asking myself, what do I need to do to comply with the authorities? I don't want to get into problems um, that, that don't need to be there. So I change my driving license. I get on the padron. I, you know, let people know where I am. Try and do things which are, are not going to be against other people. I've learned the language to a, a degree where I can talk to people. Um, and they will often tell me that they are so surprised that they've met somebody that can speak the language because so many people, they get no further than a cup of tea and um, maybe, you know, a toastada or something like that, you know. Uh, but, yeah. you know, the thing that worries me um, is obviously we're all changing. We have to change because we're getting so much information. I had a day away from all this yesterday, which I felt so much better for not having to read about, you know, things that really are quite depressing. Uh, another thing that happened yesterday, back into the headlines of today's papers, bloodbath in Brixton. Now, anybody who knows Brixton immediately, you know, is tending to be um, the African black community as opposed to the um, Indian and Pakistani community that you get up in the north of the country. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, the, the thing is, uh, there was a sea change as well, which you might not have noticed because you live there. But for me, watching on from my TV set here in Spain... I did see a sea change in the way that certain programmes and certain adverts in particular are now being offered to the British public. And so, you know, um, we've even got the silly side of it where you've got, I think it's about 9% maximum, between 6 and 9% yeah. they yeah. talk about as a black community. But then again, yeah. it's not crystal clear whether they add that as the Asian and the Indian and, you know, everybody who is not Caucasian. Yeah. But, but then, of course, it's the contrast in the afternoon when we go for... Um, Either homes under the hammer will you, yeah, yeah. you know, you will see, Countdown. yeah, or or, or then uh, escape to the country, and of course, yeah. and as people are escaping to the country, um, they're going to a five hundred thousand pound house, um, completely in a white neighbourhood, which does not yeah. correlate to the adverts that I'm watching all the time. You know, so, uh, what do you think's going adverts, on? Adverts for stir lifts and things like that, don't you? Well, During yeah. Well, exactly. 
but but I mean, uh, you you look at some of the adverts, and quite honestly, the the, the number of mixed marriages must have gone up horrendously um, for the statistician. And then when you've got uh, families who seem to exist where they have a black child, a white child, a Chinese child, um, and yeah, yeah. Pos- possibly one or two others, uh, and then you know the mixed. Uh, marriage you, you know is that really the way it is mm. well the big example was the national trust wasn't it where i don't know i don't know what the percentage of white people older profiling um but but i would have thought it, it's the, the the majority of people that, that donate to the national trust are white retired people yeah and yet when you when you see adverts Again, there's the statutory uh, minority people on on the adverts because they've got to be politically correct. Whereas, you know, why don't we just accept that people who go to National Trust people uh, properties tend to be of a certain type? You know, yeah, you know, I agree with you entirely um, because, you know, there's nothing nicer than going and looking around a nice garden. And um, I went to see a lovely uh, the equivalent in France of the National Trust. You know, I um, I think it was uh, Zero de Bergerac or somebody like that that actually owned yeah, the yeah. house. But it was really nice. You know, I enjoyed the visit. Um, but as you say, it, it's not really grassroots, is it? Um, uh, it's like part of the last bastion of the British Empire is probably with the National Trust. Um, I mean, it's like you you see these things and then I watch, for example, I watch the the soaps, but I don't watch them because I'm a soap watcher. Um, Anne likes to watch the soaps because she needs to relax and, you know, she sits down and has a nice cup of tea and, and she enjoys the soaps. I watch them mm. because having been, um, you know, in, involved in media studies, yeah, I yeah. like to see what's coming down the line. Yeah. So the mix in the um, in the families now, you can see quite categorically that they have decided they'll socially engineer Coronation Street and Emmerdale, which, of course, is supposed to be a rural Yorkshire community yeah. uh, where memories of Henry Wilkes behind the bar are, have long since gone. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen so many murders in such a small village. Um, <laughs> you've had a you've had a plane fall on the the village. Uh, I think a bomb's yeah. gone off um, by the the woad pack or something like that. I mean, yeah, yeah. Are these people deliberately, I think, use. It's pretty obvious they use the soaps to engineer their future. The the the, the plans that they want to engineer. Where would you say the um, multiracial? idea has come from for Britain well I think it you know it's to do with uh, the woke brigade isn't it and well you you know a lot about the way in which education has been infiltrated by the left wing um, you know I, I've got friends who, who when um, in the young conservatives uh, the few that there are um, but they said that they tell me when they, when they were at university studying politics, if they wrote an essay that had anything like uh, right wing or you know that they were a Thatcherite or whatever, they'd get lower marks. So on purpose, they used to write essays which were you know quite quite left wing, um, and they knew that they had a they had a chance then of getting uh, higher marks. A, a lot of it, well. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, th- I think a lot of social engineering ha- has been right because we've been subjected. I remember when we were in Birkenhead, you used to see used to see signs that said, um, "Like there's a job on the building site, but but no Irish and no Scots and no dogs." Uh, they they had yeah. those in the windows, didn't they? I remember those uh, often coming up. Uh, yeah. Being from an Irish family, you, you do yeah. feel and see these things far more, don't you? Yeah, and you know. Thank goodness that we have had some social engineering to get rid of that that sort of behaviour and, and to make that type of thing illegal. Um, but maybe there was a resistance to that at the time. I, I remember when, when I was in HR at the Halifax uh, do, doing uh, stuff on um, uh, just to do with equality in terms of sex equality because 
you know, it, some of the stuff that was done then, you know, um, the, the part-time cashiers who used to be majority were female, they were all paid less than males. It, it, it was terrible. It was completely wrong. Mm. And, and, and thank goodness that we had people that, that, that wanted better human rights. Well, look, um, just to make sure that um, I, I give you the background, I remember that uh, things happened with the Birkenhead market went on fire and of course uh, I was out of a job I was still on Radio Merseyside but it was difficult shall we say so I got a job and um, I was able to travel around the north of England as part of the job eventually got myself promoted quite a few times and ended up I could drive my car virtually from Nottingham all the way up to the borders and you know I could see what was going on now I wasn't really political um, my dad probably might have been more of a Labour voter in the early days because just after the war you know yeah. uh, it was difficult but then when he moved up yeah. to Bebbington I think there was probably a different type of um, uh, wind of change in the air but I do remember that for me when we got to the a winter of discontent and yeah. I was driving and I had to go to uh, various parts of the country um, I remember quite frankly the thing that made me become a little bit more political was when I could see that people would not allow people to bury their dead when I could see the unions were not allowing people to take fresh bedding into the hospitals that then opened my mind to people like Margaret Thatcher, who was coming in. Yes, I think it was extremely political when she put the uh, the Canadian guy into the steel industry to do yeah, the, yeah. to do the dirty work. But at the end of the day, uh, that was what it was all about. Uh, and we were sold about that time about the idea of trying to, um, should we say, castrate, if not finish, the unions. Now, that was all very well. And I went for many years believing about that. I thought it was all about the miners and, you know, uh, the power struggle between the conservatives and the miners. But I then looked at um, the origins of the electric car and quite frankly, from what my podcast um, told me, it began to make me think, well, hang on, we've all been hoodwinked a bit here. Even more so, Mike, that this might be something which makes probably what I'm saying even more relevant. To the best of my knowledge, the idea of the multicultural society has come from Margaret Thatcher. Now, that's probably going to be a surprise to you. But it was when she got into bed politically with Ronald Reagan and Ronald Reagan was trying to change California. Now, if my suppositions are beginning to make any sense, I'm beginning to sort of say to myself, well, if we're now led to believe that all this has been ordained by conservatism, we do know the old style conservatism, of course, of Enoch Powell. And we know and remember, many people will remember that he told us that blood will run in the streets and all this sort of thing. It does add a little bit of credence to this idea of a reset of society in uh, the reset of the world, if you like. Reset. Yeah, this big word. Mm. So what are your opinions on the things I've told you that... I seem to have come across, stumbled across often, um, and whether or not there is a fact, uh, a reset, which, of course, we can all find out more by going and reading for ourselves what the uh, Agenda 2030 is written on your own country's website. So there's evidence for everybody to maybe think a bit more about it. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, great topic. Of course, Margaret Thatcher was subject to more discrimination than most people. You know, the, the long road to Finchley, uh, becoming the first female prime minister, w w was an incredible achievement at the time. Um, and, and, and she paved the way, you know, for, for, for a lot of uh, equality. And I think, you know, it's funny how... how um, you know, wokeism is often leveled the conservatives, and yet, yeah, you know, we've had three female prime ministers. If you look at the cabinet at the moment, you know, what what, what an example of diversity, really. Um, 
Well, it probably lends a little bit of fuel to the way I've been going in the last few minutes because, you know, I've been th- thoroughly convinced in the past that the Conservatives would be for Britain, law and order, you know, uh, obviously um, you'd expect the Labour Party to be f- trying to sort of make up the numbers. Uh, if you go yeah. down to, say, Tower Hamlets and look at the Bangladesh community in there, I, I would think you're very, very unlikely to ever have a, a Conservative walk there, never mind be voted in. Uh, so yeah. th- there are certain things that are very, very weird. Certain things that are very mixed up and certain yeah, yeah. certain things which, to me, mean that there's a lot more to what's going on than probably meets the eye. Mm. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. And I think um, one of the things that I've always thought about, you know, if we talk about conservative values, is is being akin to, to family values. You know, a lot of it is about the 2.8 children type of... Yeah. stereotyping um which you'd think would actually family values w- would appeal to uh, the ma- vast majority of of the muslim population um and and yet you have this um gordon brown philosophy of br- increasing immigration so they could increase uh, labor voters well of course look um we as catholics do remember that the Catholics tried to get the numbers up. So, you you know, um, much as we think that maybe the Muslims are are trying to uh, maybe take over the world by um, controlling the womb, I think think there's, there's a number of... I always go from a jigsaw puzzle. And, you know, I do think that there are certain parts of this jigsaw puzzle which are not readily seen but they're there if you want to look for them and i do think yeah. that um a, another aspect of this is for example i look in the uh the mail online this morning and there's a story about i think a, a i think it looks it's always made to look as if it's a muslim family um i think there's eight children they can't be rehoused into one house so they've got oh, yeah, yeah. you know yeah. sort of seven are in one side of the motorway yes. and somebody is there the other mum mum is there the other side with another house now you know when you have lived all your life and paid your taxes that's designed to make people quite angry as well but yeah. you see i do think that there's there are parts of this that you can't control and i think this is where the great reset is finding uh, a few sticking points, because um, you go next, or shall we go next, to the COP27 fiasco, the climate change uh, summit, if you like, where yeah. Liz Truss deliberately told uh, King Charles, who obviously um, decided that all the rules of the church had to be changed so he could now ensconce um Camilla as queen. I always thought the queen was telling us that she was never going to be the queen, but she was going to be the queen's consul. But she's constantly referred to now as the queen, which to me, uh, as um, somebody that looks at the head of the church, thinking to myself, well, hang on, um, it's like doing the lottery and you have some rules for yourselves and everybody else has got to go with the the (laughs) balls bobbling round, you know. I mean, it is is so frustrating, isn't it? Yeah, it's... it's gradual creep, isn't it, that, you know, things are eroded. Um, and as you say, certain words are dropped and, and, and that, yeah. Well, I, I Going do... back to the COP, the COP conference, though, yeah. I thought, you know, I, I think that's just an opportunity there where poorer countries are allowed to lobby for more money. And, and you can see why maybe... Um, somebody like a prime minister of the UK doesn't want to attend because it, it's all it, it's all an excuse for um, poorer countries to get the begging bowl out and to to ask for more money from, from not necessarily the countries that are doing the most pollution by the way it, it, it's it's the countries that, that have uh, the biggest budget um that, that that for my mind is is really what why um there's an attitude of of ignoring the cop conference yeah i think a lot of what you said makes sense then and um quite frankly 
I am not totally convinced that by cutting the carbon emissions we're going to change the world's climate. I actually think that we're living through a massive change which is cyclical. It's very worrying. I don't think it does any harm to try and cut the emissions but I think to try and make out that everybody's going to have to have a, a, a electric car and that we're going to fill the planet with batteries that can't decompose uh, and you, you know you only have to look at the number of um, um, charging points which is ridiculously low and it'll never be achieved to realize that this is nothing to do with really climate change it's to do with fad fads and people who want to just for for, i think really what's behind it is that if you've got most people onto an electric car and then at the flick of a switch you can turn around and say you're not going to get any electricity yeah well you're in a good you're in a good bargaining position, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. As we've said before, the the greenest car is the one you currently own. Yeah, absolutely. To, to to encourage people to buy any form of new car is not a green policy at all. If you think about the amount of plastic and steel that goes into into a car, and particularly an electric car, and the way that uh, those materials are, are are mined and obtained. They're definitely not green. And there's probably no such thing as green electricity either. Well, you see, this is, it's lovely, isn't it? You see, this is the media with the way that they can sell and market all sorts of ridiculous concepts. I look at it from Spain, looking back to the UK. I look at the fact that you're such a small country. I look at the emissions that we used to get around Ellesmere Port from the oil oil refineries there. So I've got a good good idea because I know at one time Merseyside was the lung and heart disease capital of Europe. And uh, then I look at the bigger picture and I don't see uh, Germany's pollution really being challenged to the, the extent that Britain have managed to get their bit done. You look at America, you look at uh, certainly India and China, and you say to yourself, you know, who are the mugs? The mugs, really, are the people who are being ruled by the woke brigade who are trying to talk rubbish to us day and night, and we've got a police force that won't do anything about getting rid of these people that are causing the problem. So, therefore, that lends my thinking to the fact that Charles, for example, has been linked to many committees and subcommittees that operated this wonderful, um, shall we say, um, theory level that we're all being sort of attacked with this new world and the new world order. Incidentally, before, yeah, yeah. before we even go too, 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 too much further into all this, you only have to go to some of the scriptures which were written long before anything that we're looking at on the UK Daily Mail websites, etc. You know, there are some very, very horrible things ahead if you want to go to the scriptures. And there are yeah. some reasons why I think anybody who doesn't keep the scriptures at least somewhere in their mind is not doing themselves well. That's, you know, again, mm-hmm. something that I feel quite strongly about. Um, what do you think about yeah. those things? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I know we've touched on David Icke before and... Um, yeah, w- without going too far into conspiracy theories and, and some of the rubbish that is around, I, I think, you know, there's no smoke without fire. And a lot of these theories, I think you, you've got to look very carefully at them because th- th- there's a grain of truth in, in everything. Um, and and we, we have to do our own research, I think. We, we can't just accept, you know, the science or... The, the views of, of the establishment and, and trust anymore. It's interesting, uh, Vince, that my brother has just come to live in Yorkshire, having spent eight years in Dubai. And we had a bit of a heated argument in the pub yesterday. We went for lunch about identity cards coming back. He yeah. He is stunned by the change in the UK in the last eight years. And having come from, you know, what I think, the Middle East where human rights are, you know, people get their their heads cut off or their hands cut off. Um, But he would rather trust 
the Middle Eastern governments like Dubai with data rather than our government. And this thing about, you know, people don't want identity cards and, and yet they have uh, store loyalty cards which, which stores all the data about the shopping habits, when they go, when they're on holiday, all of that. The stuff, you know, people put pictures of the of the meals they're eating on, on Facebook, but they don't want an identity card. Well, for me, you see, it's a way of life now. Um, you know, if I go for a walk after we've been talking, I will take my uh, identity card. Uh, if the police are there and they want to stop me, I will say, uh, uh, good day, officer, and this is who I am. And yeah. most, I think, will be uh, doing the right thing, which is basically yeah. checking on what they might perceive. You know, in a general sense, I think the police in most countries, uh, sorry, in some countries do a very good job. I do think that there are, I mean, for example, I don't know if you've seen, but today there was a headline in one of the papers, um, Shanghai Disneyland has been closed down completely uh, because of a COVID scare. Now, we've known for a long time now that these masks and all the testing and everything else, there's a lot going on which shouldn't have gone on and people are now dying. Um, you know, I've got, Personally, I've got a couple of friends who have had dreadful, dreadful health problems because they trusted politicians who really just didn't know what on earth it was, yeah. you know. So why, if you didn't know, why did you suppose? And if you suppose, why do you tell everybody they've got to do certain things? That's the problem, mm -hmm. isn't it? Yeah. And who do you take advice from? Well, you see, I, I watched something which really made me think, quite carefully about this i'm into all sorts like uh, taking cold sh uh, cold showers swimming in in cold water yeah. uh, taking lemons taking chia seeds yeah. things to keep you yeah. healthy and young so, and basically yeah. i remember when you had a djokovic who was a guru of one of the breathing i can't remember his um no i can't remember his name at the moment uh, he's into all this sort of stuff so as he rightly pointed out for my way of thinking why would he want to go and put a needle full of poison into his body when he doesn't know that his body can fight that i'm i'm totally of the opinion that you know uh, when you go to the tried and trusted, well thought through um, times that we've had these uh, inoculations, that's a different matter than when you actually had the COVID things, which were actually labelled, this is a, a trial. Yeah. And now, you know, that was a nurse telling me that. And, um, you know, and, and also a disclaimer at the same time. And yeah. then you've got all these companies making a lot of money and people who obviously still don't want to take uh, any responsibility for young, healthy people, as well as older, healthy people who basically are, are, have been killed off. I, I think that, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I think not many people will actually say it because basically, you know, the woke brigade don't want you to. But if you inject yourself with heroin... Poison. Exactly. Somebody's going to come straight to you and um, possibly the police will apprehend you. So the, yeah. the, the rules haven't stayed the same, have they? No, 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 no. It's about trust, isn't it? But then again, both you and I will remember when we were at school that we were in, in the same class. We had kids who, who had who'd been off with polio to add, um, you know, metal frames on the legs and all of that thing you don't see that at all now no and that's because of vaccination so which which is why or tb tb yeah which is why basically i do understand that you shouldn't be totally anti-vaccine uh, yeah. but um when you see that there are people coming in illegally who haven't been tested yeah bringing in disease that now yeah. is coming back oh, into yeah. the country it does make you think what the heck is going on yeah Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and I've got another question that I'd like to discuss with you, which is basically um, I, like a lot of people, will watch stuff on Netflix. I know that when I was in France, I went through the underpass in which Diana was killed um, and I knew where the 
uh, people at one end knew she was going and I knew where the people at the other end was going and I knew that I've never heard of anybody being embalmed quite so quickly in my whole life. So I keep an open mind. I, I don't say anything other than possibilities. Now, I'm looking at Netflix at the moment who seem to be hell bent on having a go at the royal family. Yeah. Okay. Whether I believe something about um, Diana or not uh, is neither here nor there. I think what I do see is that um, there are tacky things that Netflix seem to want to put into this new series of The Crown, which will only give certain people some money but will not help those members of the crown who basically are trying to do a decent job. I don't include everybody, by the way, as you probably will will think. Um, But, I mean, do you see any dangers in this Netflix stuff? Because people do like the crown. Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right, Vince. And, um, you know, some of these things redefine history, don't they? There was the example, wasn't there, of the Kennedy film, the, the Oliver Stone film. Um which has almost become the definitive answer to what happened in the assassination of President Kennedy. And and it's not based on fact at all. So, you know, we are redefining history by some of these things. The same, I thought, happened with the Margaret Thatcher film, where, you know, people didn't know what what happened to her in in, in the end of her life about when she was suffering from dementia and, and that, you know, it's it's supposed, isn't it, or it's made up? Um, I mean, it, it could all be right. These these theories that people have, but um, we're in danger of distorting the truth. I think, or, or redefining history. Well, look, I think I've told you before. I'm not really a royalist. Um, no, I'm really quite offended by the fact that Charles has defied, decided that, you know, they've got to change the rules and he keeps yeah. Camilla. Okay. Um, yes, I did like Diana. And yes, I do like that both sons, I, I know one is a little bit uh, off centre at the moment, but I think, well, yeah, but I think William does a, a wonderful job. And I think uh, he and his wife do a lovely job. And unfortunately, then you look at people like Prince Anne, uh, Princess Anne, who really has been exemplary during her life Um, you know and contrast that with Andrew who's been obviously uh, able to well he was silly I'm going to keep it as that because basically he's either been one of the stupidest people that uh, we could describe or um, you know he thought he could get away with it and sadly it's all come home to to spoil his uh, retirement age which is sad in some respects um, because it affects all his family. It doesn't affect just uh, him, yeah. but there's the immediate family um, and the children and obviously the royal family. So, mm. um, you know, I don't think anything's replaced the royal family. I'm not anti-royal family. I think that for people to come over to Britain and see what we saw, especially during Her Majesty the Queen's funeral, uh, was absolutely uh, it's just excellent, you know. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful to see such a discipline. The troops were wonderful. Uh, everybody, I thought, right the way through the media, uh, when they put the put the mind to it, they did do her a good job, didn't they? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And as Macron said, she wasn't just, you know, your queen. She was the queen. She was. She was a lovely lady. I mean, I even got a couple of um, people sending me messages here in Spain um, just, you know, saying, and we're sorry. Yeah, I mean, it was just nice because they yeah. were they were nice people. Well, look, uh, Mike, we're coming up near the end. We are actually on the hour, which is wonderful um, because... Um, my teaching days tell me that by the time you've um, been talking for an hour, either the students are asleep or, uh, you know, people are switching off, switching over. Um, so once again, I think we've covered some very, very interesting topics, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all, well, some of them are actually interconnected, aren't they? I think they mainly are. You know, as I say, I, I'm a big fan of this jigsaw puzzle. Uh, and every yeah. now and again, it would be nice to actually look at the picture and say, I've finished. But <laughs> there's more to come. So we look forward to the next one. Yeah, 
Always Vince, yeah. Always okay. good to talk to you. If you just stay there for one minute, I'll come back to you as I finish the podcast. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you via my favourite platform, Skype. <laughs>